listening to Nightlight. Hello and welcome to Nightlight. This week, coming to you from near the very source of the River Nile, near the town of Jinja in Uganda. And I'm here to meet Ingrid Wiltz, who's originally from Holland, but she has been a missionary in Uganda for many years, working mainly to rehabilitate street children. Well, we're sitting in the gardens of her retreat center, and it's absolutely beautiful so peaceful and i'm sure you can hear the birds singing in the background maybe even the sound of the river nile as it flows by well ingrid is the author of a book called river in the heart which documents her struggles and adventures dangers and victories during her many years of ministry here and how the lord led her away from a religious to an intimate relationship with him Nightlight's Interview of the Week. Welcome, Ingrid, to Nightlight. Well, first of all, tell us about this beautiful place. Oh, this is a place that I, uh, I bought as a bush in 93. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no road, there was nothing, but somehow I could see the beauty of the location and the beauty of the place. And so slowly I developed it and started living here. Um, knowing that all the time, all the time I knew that I didn't have it for myself alone, mm-hmm. but that God was going to do something with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had no idea what he was going to do with this place. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time I was working with street children, so I used this as my home and I would go to Jinja and back. Um, but it was until I met God as my personal father mm-hmm. that I saw that I had worked with orphans my whole life, Mm -hmm. but that actually my heart was like an orphan heart. Mm -hmm. And when I met God as my father and experienced him loving me Mm -hmm. uh, and started to see that I was actually a child of God, Mm -hmm. I began to see that many nations, Uganda included, is living with an orphan heart. Like we don't have a father, so we always look for people to solve our needs. Not knowing that God is there with his arms open wide and said, do you want to come home in my heart? And that is what we are using this place for at the moment.
ranges to valleys deep From roots beneath the earth Touching the north down to the south The birds will sing I love you Africa Kayaga. She was one of the first Ugandan artists we recorded at our studio around 16 years ago. She was just 16 years old at that time, and she was an orphan who traveled and sung with the African's Children Choir. She went on to train and mentor many other orphan children who also sang with the choir. That was from a beautiful album of her songs, which she produced about five years ago. You're going to hear two more songs from Barbara in the show. You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. And on Nightlight today, we're at the Matomoyoni Retreat Center at the source of the River Nile in Jinja, Uganda. Matomoyoni means river in the heart, which is also the title of an autobiography written by Ingrid Wiltz, who's sharing her story with us on the program today. Ingrid, tell us about yourself. Have you always been a Christian? Were you raised in a Christian family? Yes, I was raised in a Christian home. I was baptized when I was 14. I can't really say the day that I got saved because it was a gradual process. I was raised in a Christian home. And uh, when I was 19, I went to visit an aunt of mine who was a missionary in South America. Mm -hmm. And that opened my eyes for missions. And I thought, yes, I would like to get out into the world. I'm very adventurous as well. Mm -hmm. Um, not 
it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to serve God. No, I wanted to see the world. And, I, and as a by the way, I wanted to do something good for God. So that's how I ended up in Uganda in 1981. Mm -hmm. And um, I was here for two years, but it was chaos in the country. And so I had guns at my head a few times and was robbed and felt like it wasn't safe for a young girl. At mm -hmm. that time, I was, uh, I was 23 and it was just not a safe place for a girl to be alone. Yes. And if you saw any other Mzungu, you would stop and say, what on earth are you doing here? Yes. And so I went back in 83 to the Netherlands um, and then had an opportunity to come back to Uganda in 1989. Mm -hmm. And I went to Mbali in 1989. And since 89, I've been in Uganda and Uganda has become my home. Well, tell us about your ministry with street children. How and when did you get into that? And what gave you the burden to work with street kids? I saw their suffering in the streets. Um, I was working and setting up a vocational training school for orphans, but somehow I was drawn to the children on the street. So in my free time, I would go and sit with them, eat some bananas on the street with them. And then uh, my contract stopped where I worked. And, uh, and I felt like, yes, I want to do a little bit more structural uh, for the street children. So I wrote a project proposal and gave it to a few pastors in Mbale. And one of them, Simon Peter Miao, um, came back to me and said, when are we starting? And he became our chairman. And we formed a board and we started a ministry called uh, Child Restoration Outreach mm. in Mbale, mm. which now spread to four other towns in Uganda. How were you able to help the street children? How were you practically able to help them in their situation? What I, what I did is um, we set up day centers where children would come and they could take a bath, they, we would give them food. Most important, they first of all needed to make a choice. Do you want to sniff petrol today or not? Mm. Um, so it was very much a program or it is a program appealing on children's choices. Mm. Um, so we wouldn't accommodate them but it had to be their daily choice to come and come to school. Like we had a rehabilitation school, and if children can come there every day for a year, then the organization would pay school fees for them. And mm. as soon as the child had identified an adult that he could live with, mm -hmm. either a family member or a friend in the community, so that they would be off the street, um, and then we would take them into formal education. And somehow my heart just was drawn to these children. And so I worked really hard to make life good for them. But in the process, I ignored my own heart. So I just came to give. But over the years, I went through so many problems that I started giving out things that I didn't have. And I didn't know how to receive that made me a very hardened, kind of tough missionary. They mm -hmm. called me the uh, Iron Lady of Mbali. And I somehow felt proud about that, mm -hmm. thinking like, yeah, you know, you don't joke with me. You know, I'm in control of the situation. Mm -hmm. And I think over the years, God brought me in so many situations where I no longer was in control, mm -hmm. but where I had to let go of control mm -hmm. to discover that he was in control. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that he is above everything. As we travel, we see such pain. Life. 
Being along the way A brother's affair But don't give up Someone will hold you So live your dream My brother, go on There is a God There is a sign There is a hand That guides you and me song from our featured artist on this special edition of Nightlight. That's Barbara Kayaga. There is a God. And on this special edition of Nightlight, we're in Jinja in Uganda at the Muto Muyoni Retreat Center at the source of the Nile. And we're talking with Ingrid Wiltz, author of a book called River in the Heart. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. Ingrid, in your book, you tell us some of the close encounters you've had with witchcraft. In your experience, just how real are the dark powers here in unsaved people's lives, or even in people who consider themselves to be Christians? Right. Yeah, I think I came to uh, to Uganda as a very rational Western Christian. 
and uh, and found it really, really hard to believe in all the witchcraft stuff until I started to encounter myself um, things um, that are from the dark world. And one that comes to mind is a very specific one. Um, there was uh, somebody coming at my door with some statues, and they came from DRC Congo, I think. Mm-hmm. And there was one that I quite liked, but it had one arm. And I, uh, I asked the man, I said, why does this one have one arm? And he said, well, you know what, if you, if you have pain in your arm and you stroke it, you'll be healed. So I looked at him and I laughed and I said, ah, you know, that's, that's not for me because I'm a Christian, you know. And uh, so I give you so much for it, take it or leave it. And uh, so the man took it, so I gave him the money and I took the statue into my house. And that same night, I'm being attacked, and I'm shot in my arm. And I get back from the hospital into my home, and I see this little statue. And I'm thinking, this is not a coincidence. You know, here I am having an injured arm. And this man who sold me the, the, the thing said, if you wrap it, you'll be healed. And so I looked at it, and I thought, no, this can't be true. So I gave it... Uh, I asked some pastors in Mbali and said, what do you think about this? And one of them came back and said, you know, you've taken the gods of the land in your house. That to me made so much sense. And I hadn't realized that. So I just took it out, I burned it. And I remember that it didn't want to burn the whole night, like the ice kept on litting up <laughs> in the evening. And I just thought, yeah, it's it's very, very real, the whole dark world that is trying that is keeping this world into bondage mm-hmm. and so I began to see that you know we have authority over it but mm-hmm. I began to fight the dark world and got tired of it mm-hmm. because you know in my fighting I concentrated on the darkness mm-hmm. but I didn't concentrate on the light mm-hmm. And, you know, now I have discovered that light is stronger than darkness. Mm -hmm. And that when we get into darkness, we don't need to fight the darkness, but we can switch on the light. And the the darkness has to go. Mm -hmm. And that is a life of rest, which I just didn't know those years that, you know, I lived my life as an orphan as if I didn't have a father who wanted to fill me with himself so that the light is in me and that where I come, light will expel darkness. Shining bright in the dark night, you're listening to Nightlight. Ingrid, reading your book, I was impressed by your courage to endure so many frightening and life-threatening situations. I mean, you were a young Western woman living alone in a remote place. You had armed thieves breaking in, strange people coming to your gate, people following you, people wanting to have you killed, even the pastors and other Christians in your community telling lies about you to the authorities that you were a rebel against the government, that you were a witch. I mean, how did you stand strong under all this persecution and vicious opposition to the good work that you were doing. And for so many years, you must have been a very courageous woman. I think what I said earlier is I had become very hardened. Mm. And you see, when you live with a hard heart, 
your emotions are suppressed. Mm -hmm. You see, when I first came to Uganda and I would go to a funeral mm -hmm. and I would ask people, how are you? They would say, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And I would look at them and say, how can you be fine at a funeral? Mm -hmm. Aren't we supposed to mourn? Mm -hmm. And I realized that all the problems that I went through did something to my heart. They hardened my heart. Mm -hmm. And therefore I became a very tough missionary. Yes. But it's exactly what you're saying. I was surviving and I was no longer living. And I had no idea that that was the condition of my own heart that caused it. And so I wanted to live. So what did I do is I started praying more. I started fasting longer. I started going to the Ugandan church and, and dance and do all the things that Ugandans do because I so wanted breakthroughs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was so much struggling. I felt mm -hmm. so lonely. I was so on my own mm -hmm. until I finally took my Bible and said to God, I've done everything your word tells me to do. Mm. I have done it as good as I can, mm. but I don't have what your word is promising me. Mm. And that's a life in abundance. Mm -hmm. And I'm ready to live. Mm. If this is everything Christianity has to offer, I've done it, I've seen it. Mm. You can take me to heaven. But I haven't lived the abundant life that you're talking about. Mm. And so I said to God, either your Bible is wrong or there is something very wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And if I believe that the Bible is wrong, I have to admit that I've based 40 years of my life on a lie and I can't believe that. Mm -hmm. So here I am. Just show me what's wrong with me because I'm so ready to live and live my life in fullness. I've searched for days, I've wept for nights, I've longed for Peace and strength to stand I've lost my way But still I know Your hand will guide me Through the night I've held the pain I've felt the tears I've searched my soul To find hope again I've lost my will But now I know Your will not
Thanks once again, Barbara Kayaga. That's the third song from her on today's show. Barbara, as I was saying, was herself an orphan. I don't think she was a street child, if I can remember, but you can hear her testimony if you go to our website and listen to show number 41. That's just, I think we're up to show number 118 right now. So that was uh, some shows ago, but it's a beautiful, beautiful show. You hear about five or six of her songs, plus her full testimony. Visit our website at radioact.org. And you're with Nightlight, and we're with Ingrid Wiltz at her beautiful retreat center just outside Ginger, and we're hearing her story. Ingrid, tell us then, how did you get this breakthrough in your walk with the Lord where you quit trying to earn his favor with your good missionary works and you just finally relaxed and realized that his love is just by grace and nothing else? It was through a whole series of circumstances that I finally ended up in a church in Canada Mm. where they did a one-month school of the heart. And I realized I walked into that church and people were all worshiping God and they were experiencing his presence. And Mm. people were saying there's so much love in this church. The moment you walk in, you're overwhelmed. Mm. And I realized that I sat there and I was not experiencing anything. And so the very first Sunday, the pastor was on the the pulpit and he said, God is here. And he knows you better than you know yourself. So open your heart and let him minister to you. But I'm not Mm. going to preach. I'm not going to be in the way of God himself. Mm. And I realized I sat there. I thought, this is a weird church. It's not even a sermon. (laughs) You know, I couldn't experience God's presence at all. And then I heard somebody shout and say, oh, I see Jesus high and lifted up. And I thought, I want to see Jesus. So I ran to that corner and I looked up and I didn't see Jesus. And I got very upset and I said to God, didn't I do 16 years of hard labor in Africa? You know, don't I have the right to see you? All these people who stayed in their comfort zone are seeing you. Then I heard somebody say, oh, I'm smelling Jesus. Of course, I wanted to smell Jesus. So I ran. You know, and I didn't smell Jesus and I got very upset because I saw people experiencing things with God that I had never experienced, but that my heart had longed for. But I wasn't even aware that my heart had longed for it. And so one evening there was a song and there was one scripture in it that was underlined in my Bible. I knew it with my head so well but the scripture said God is for you he's not against you and suddenly that scripture hit my heart because I'd gone through so many problems that I had started to believe God loves everybody but not me and when that scripture hit my heart it just broke my heart and I cried the whole night Mm -hmm. the following morning I came into church and I couldn't even worship I couldn't even open my Bible. I was so broken. And I said to God, what else can I do to show you that I love you? I've given up my career. I've given my money. I've given up my family. I've even given my life. What else can I give you to show you that I love you? 
And all that I kept hearing in my heart was, I gave it to my beloved in the sleep. And you see, sleep was not in my dictionary. I was going for God. Mm -hmm. I was working for Him. Mm -hmm. But that kept on going back, and finally I thought, I'm useless anyway. Let me go and sleep. So I went out of church, laid on the grass, and slept. I don't know for how long I slept, but when I woke up, there was a big white bird that flew right over my head. And God spoke these words to me that changed everything about my Christianity. He said, Ingrid, your Christianity has been a Christianity of what you do for me. But Christianity is what I have done for you. I have given my son Jesus so that you can get back to my heart. And you know, that is the turning point where I began to see that I had been giving to God, but that He is a giver, but that my heart was so hardened that I couldn't receive it anymore. Yes. And then one morning, I woke up and God said to me, Ingrid, will you remove all the walls around your heart so that my love can break forth out of your heart? And I said to God, where were you? You know, there are people out there that want me dead. There are people out there that want me in prison. You know, the world is so unsafe and you just want me to walk open with my heart and say, here I am, kill me, kill me. I said, you can't be serious. I said to God, I'm really sorry, but I can't. And you see, he didn't accuse me, he didn't abuse me. He simply kept quiet until the following morning when I woke up and he said the same thing, Ingrid, will you remove all the walls around your heart so that my love can break forth out of you? And I said to God, there's so much in my heart. There's so much pain. There's so many why questions. There's so much disappointment. There's so much unforgiveness. I can't allow you in my heart. If I allow you in, it, I will break. And and I will lose control. <laughs> I can't. I'm really sorry, but I can't. And again, God just kept quiet until the following morning. And he said, Ingrid, will you remove all the walls around your heart so that my love can break forth out of you? And I got really desperate because I am somebody who wants to obey God. And I said to God, I want to obey, but I feel this is too difficult. I can't do it. And the moment I said, I want to obey, immediately God said to me, Ingrid, from now on, will you believe that my love is stronger than any evil? And I said to God, but don't you see the wars in Africa? Don't you see HIV AIDS? Don't you see hunger? Don't you see what's going on in Africa? And he simply repeated and said, my love is stronger and that was the moment that I said to God here's my heart just get out of my heart what hin which hinders me from receiving your love because I'm tired of fighting I'm tired of surviving I'm tired of striving I want to live and I want to be carried by you and that was the that was actually the beginning of a journey into my own heart where I began to discover that, yes, I had lived in Africa for so many years. Yes, I had done good work for orphans. Mm -hmm. But that at heart level, I was the biggest orphan of all. Mm. 
You know, I was running ahead of Jesus saying, I want to do good things for you. And I, Jesus, I hope you can manage my speed. <laughs> but when I began to realize that Jesus only did the things he saw his father doing. You see, Jesus was following his father. He never ran ahead of his father. And when I began to see that Jesus, before he died, he says, I have, Father, I have finished the work you gave me to do. I'm beginning to think, well, Jesus died for my sin. Isn't that what he came to do? But Jesus himself says, I have finished the work you gave me to do. And then Jesus actually is saying to his, to his father, I now have revealed you to my disciples. I've finished what you told me to do. And Jesus dies and he rises up from the death and he says, now go to my brothers and tell them that I'm going to my father and your father. And you see, in my Christian life, in my work with orphans, I had a revelation of Jesus. And I thanked him that I was going to heaven. But in my heart, I was thinking life is really tough on this earth. But praise God, I'm going to heaven. I had a revelation of the Holy Spirit because I'd seen the power of the Holy Spirit. When I was attacked, four people with guns came and they, sh they shot the gun and it, the bullet went right through my arm. I shouted in the name of Jesus, go, go, go. And four pairs of arms with pangas and guns up in the air, they took off. So I had seen the power of the Holy Spirit. But I had no idea about rest, about love, about peace. Yes. And that all came when Father revealed himself to me and said, I am your Father and you can be at rest because you only need to do the things that I have prepared for you to do. Mm -hmm. And you see, I just fought my way through life as a Christian, but there was no peace. I had become a hardened missionary. I had given all the love that I had, but I just didn't know that First John 4 says we can only love because He first loved us. And I didn't know how to receive His love. So I continued to give, 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 until I came to a point that I was a missionary without love. And I went back to God and I say, I feel so hypocritical because 1 Corinthians 13 says, anything we do without love is useless. Mm. And so I said to God, I've built this whole ministry in Uganda, but I don't have love in my heart. Mm. And I would go to Europe and people would say, Ingrid, amazing the work you do with street children. And I produced this wonderful plastic smile mm. and say, thank you, thank you. But I was thinking, you people, you can't see my heart. Mm. There's no love left in my heart. And 1 Corinthians 13 says, anything we do without love is useless. Mm. My ministry is there and it looks beautiful to you, but I know my heart. Mm. And it was until God's love just broke my heart. Mm. And I began to see that he's not after our works, but he's after our hearts. Mm -hmm. He so longs to live, for us to live in intimacy with him. And intimacy, the way Jack Frost used to say that is into me, you see. <laughs> that we dare to live with our hearts wide open so that we can receive God's love and that love will enable us to love our enemies. You see, once we begin to receive love, 
Uh, everything about the Bible makes sense. I just struggled with scriptures that says, love your enemy. How can I love my enemy? I can't. Until I realized that I can be loved first. And I began to see that my life was rooted in two lies. One, the lie about who God was. I really believed God was out there and he loved everybody else, but he didn't love me. Because if I was going through so many problems, then it can't be true that God is love. And the other one was the lie about who I am. I was thinking, I must be a very rebellious child. Because if I don't go through problems, I will go my own way. I will not seek God. And you know, these two lies about who God was and who I uh, was kept me in bondage. And the truth that I'm a child of God just completely set me free. Mm. That I have the same DNA as Jesus has. Mm. You know that Jesus in John 14 says, On that day you will realize that I am in the Father, that you are in me, and I am in you. Mm. And it means that we are the center of the attention of the Trinity. And that Romans 8 said, the whole of creation is groaning. You only need to walk outside your gate and you see that the world is groaning. Groaning for what? For the revelations of the sons of God to be manifested. You see, Africa is the way it is. The world is the way it is because we as God's children don't know who we are. Because this world is groaning because I don't know that I have the same DNA as Jesus has.
that's always been one of my favourite devotional songs. That's the Conan Brothers, Just As I Am. Ingrid, any advice for those who are listening to this program who'd like to have the same kind of change in their relationship with the Lord as you have experienced? The change for me came when truth came to my heart. I had always believed that when I work hard, when I pray much, when I fast long, when I jump high, when I shout loud, that God would be really happy with me. And I began to see that he's after my heart. And I remember the very first time that I learned to listen to his voice. One morning he said, Ingrid, I want to spend time with you. And I jumped in the air. I felt like I'd won the lottery. And I went down to the river with my Bible and my notebook and music and expecting powerful revelation. And I sat there the whole day and nothing happened. I experienced peace, I experienced rest, but nothing. And by four o'clock in the afternoon, I really got upset. I said, God, I've changed my whole program for you. And you haven't said anything. You haven't given me new revelation. Why have I sat here the whole day? And then he brought back a memory that the day before I'd gone to Kampala to see a government minister. And you know, when you see big people, they make you to wait. And so God said, today you've waited for me the whole day. And that shows to me how important I am to you. Thank you. And you know, that experience I'll never forget. Because it's the time. So often we read in the Bible, be still and know that I'm God. You know, how many of us are not struggling with issues that God allows in our life? But it's only when we learn to be still that we will really know that He's God, because that is the moment that He can speak to us. And so I think that's a very key thing that you are mentioning, is to take time and rest. To me, it was a major eye-opener that God says, I give it my beloved in the sleep. You know, sleep was not in my dictionary. I was going for God. But it's the moments that we become still, that we can connect to Him because He's there. He's always been there. And it is His desire. And the Bible says if we seek, we will find. But how do you seek? It's not by running around and shouting. It's by saying, He is my heart. You know, I'm just beginning to see how important our heart is. It's so much more important than our deeds. But God just looks at the motives of our heart and said, I want to love you back to life. Mm -hmm. can't remember who it said, but somebody said, the biggest, the greatest worship is man fully alive. Mm. And you know, if I look at my own life, there were so many areas that had died down. Mm. Like emotions had died down. There was very little fun in my life. Um, there were so many areas that slowly by slowly, even though I was so God-fearing and religious, mm. but I was no longer alive. Mm. And Jesus says, I've come so that you will have life and life in abundance. Mm. And that's not a material abundance, but it's the abundance of joy, peace and rest and love mm. and the ability to just receive straight from the Father's heart.
to my heart and to know that I can simply be his daughter and that he rejoices over me with singing. Even if I would sit here the whole day, he would still love me. Inspiring you to draw closer to God, you're listening to Nightlight. Anything else you'd like to share about your private devotional times with the Lord? Before, before God's love kind of broke my heart and heart, I needed times to set aside as quiet times. And I remember that I was with um, my pastor in Holland because I was so needing change. And he prayed over me and he says, I've got the feeling that the good in your life has covered the best. By that time, I had no idea what he meant until I had an encounter with Father's love. And I began to see that he has always been Father, that he has always loved me, that his love is like a river flowing from his heart into my heart, and that that river enables me to live in an intimate relationship on a day-to-day basis, 24-7. And that when I lie in my bed, I say, Father, thank you that you love me. And will you just let your river flow through my life because I feel down. But thank you that your love is there to bring joy and wash away the pain. You know, I've, I've seen so, I've heard so many sermons on repentance, but I've never kind of seen how powerful this scripture is, is, is that says the goodness of God leads to repentance. You see, so much of our Christian life has become a have to. But once love comes in our heart, it is a want to. Once love comes in your heart, you don't want any, anything else and just sit here and say, Father, thank you that you love me and that your love enables me to love you back and that your love enables me to love my neighbor. And that it's all in that vertical relationship where we learn to receive. And that when we receive God's goodness and his love, well, the light of his love will begin to expose the darkness in our hearts. And his goodness will lead us to repentance. And it's so the whole kind of journey of becoming sons and daughters from our orphan mindset is through the receiving of the love, and it's an internal process. And so many of us have made our Christian life about have-tos. But the biggest change for me is a wants-to. If I have five minutes and I can just sit there and say, thank you, Father, that you love me. Or I've gone through seasons that I found life so hard that I thought, you know, I just don't know how to pass through it. And that I would just spend 10 minutes, I would stand still in the middle of somewhere and say, Father, thank you that you love me. And your love sustains me. And your love enables me to face this situation. Because I can't do it on my own. And so it's become more of a, a knowing that I'm loved. A knowing that he's good. Like my prayer life has completely changed. I don't pray for protection anymore because I know he wants to protect me. I don't pray for provision anymore because I know that's his heart. Because he's a good father. And so my times and my 
my times with him are times of thanksgiving and times of resting to just receive his heart. And I'm beginning to see it's all about his presence. And that his eyes are upon us as his children and when his love fills us up, we begin to just flow out of love. And that enables us to live rooted in love. If Paul writes to the Ephesians, I pray that you will be rooted and grounded in love. You see, many of our lives are rooted and grounded in pain. The New Vision not long ago said that 75% of the pregnancies in Uganda are unwanted. Those are 75% of the population that is rooted in pain. And Paul writes to the Ephesians, says, I pray that you'll be rooted and grounded in love. You know, the last scripture in the Old Testament is saying that God will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the father. What an exciting time we're living in that God himself is bringing the revelation of father to this orphan nation. I've, li- I've worked with street children for 12 years and very often I say now we're getting the street out of children. The thinking changes. We, we did our programs with ex- street children, ex-child soldiers. There was one boy who walked in covered in shame and guilt because he had to kill his own parents. You look at that child and you think, is there a future for him? In the second session in our youth school, we told the youth, just sit in your chair and ask God to show you that he wants to be your father, that that is his desire for you. And there was this young boy, 14 years, that was covered in shame and guilt. After half an hour of just being quiet with some music, we stopped the music and said, anybody wants to share? And his hand went up. And he said, you know what? I've just come to heaven. I've just been to heaven. And Father God was there and he said, I'm his son and that he has a beautiful plan for my life. That I'm not determined by what I've passed through. But he has a good plan. The enemy has tried to steal it. But he has a good plan. I'm his son. And he has an amazing plan for my life. And you know, at the end of the school, he was the most popular boy in the school. And they had called him Zap because he had been zapped up and came back. And you know, that's... 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an encounter with the king changes everything. And truth came to this kid's life. Of course, now we need to live it out. Our garden is full with extra children now that are learning that, you know, life is not what we know with our heads, but life is who we know with our hearts. And all these kids that you see in the compound are now boys that don't have school fees anymore but that are willing to be like Adam in a garden, where in the meantime, Father God can work in the garden of their own hearts until the time for them to be released to get into the world with with the heart of a son and not a heart of an orphan that says, I need to do it myself. Well, here's our last song on Nightlight. It's from the Watoto Children's Choir. And these are orphans and former street children you can hear from their joyful singing just how much their lives have been transformed by wonderful Christians like Ingrid, who have sacrificed and laid down their lives so that they can find Jesus.
17 says that God knew exactly the time and the place where each one of us is born. You know, and He never makes a mistake. We are all alive. Every Ugandan, every person in the world is alive because their Father wanted them alive. And He has a great plan for everyone. And I think the search for everyone is to, the search to be loved. Because we were created for paradise. We were created, our hearts are created for an atmosphere of love. And we've come born in a broken world and our hearts can't handle it. And therefore to anyone who listens at this moment, I just want to say, Father, pour your love into their hearts and bring a deep revelation that you are Father, now and forevermore, your love. Just bring that revelation into people's hearts. Thanks once again to Ingrid Wiltz for being with us on this special edition of Nightlight. I look forward to being back with you next time for another Nightlight show. Bye-bye.